Hello, exceptional people. You are now listening to Change Today, a new podcast about how we can better society. I'm your creator and co-host, Maria Mantone. And I'm co-host, Molly Quatrusi. And today we will be discussing the topic of reverse racism. But first, let's catch up. What is good, Molly? You know, just living life, <laughs> thriving. As a college student, it's just always so great yeah. to be here. Midterm season is upon us. It definitely is. <laughs> I gave a presentation in bio the other day about an experiment where I got no results. <laughs> so that was very exciting. I, I bet it was. <laughs> um, okay, I have a very important question for you. I was trying to think of what to ask you. So like any rational person would do, I looked up 36 questions to make someone fall in love with you. Right. It shows the one that I found most appealing. So, Molly, do you have a secret hunch about how you're going to die? I actually do. (laughs) And I feel like it's just based off of how my life goes. So what I think is going to happen is I'll experience some tragic illness, like, or I'll have a heart attack or something like that but I'll recover. And then as soon as I get home, I will trip over some object (laughs) that I left out, and that's how I die. Oh, my God. I feel like that's just how it's going to go. You really thought about this? I literally (laughs) have no idea. I was trying to think of all my fears and if maybe they related, and the only rational fear I have is, like, heights. So maybe I'll die in a plane crash, but, like, maybe all of my fears are, like, a dinosaur is going to come to my window and, like, snatch me up at night. Right. I'll be, like, alone forever, which I don't think is going to kill me. Um, I mean, being depressed can kill you. That's true. So. That's true. Um, yeah, I have no idea, and I've literally never thought about it. One of, one of my friends that you know has a fear of being chased, like a serious fear oh of being chased. So I wonder if maybe I that's how that. she'll die. Or, like, she died in a past life, like, somebody chased her and, like, murdered right. her. Right. I, I kind of relate to that fear, though. Like, I could never play tag growing up because really? I hated be- people chasing me. I couldn't play tag because I was, like, chubby and, like, couldn't get fast <laughs> enough to win. I mean, you know, two different reasons, <laughs> but still the same. Uh, that's definitely true. Okay, I have one more question for you, but I am going to preface it with this little talk. So when I'm with my friends of color and we all the time we talk about like how we're so proud to like be black or like for me like I always talk about how I'm proud to be North African and Middle Eastern and such and then we were thinking about it and we were like if someone that was white was like I'm so proud to be white and it just like doesn't sit right so how do you feel about like if some like have you ever thought about like oh I'm proud to be white like how does that feel I've sincerely never felt <laughs> proud to be white Well, when I was a kid, it didn't matter to me because I didn't think about these things that much. Mm -hmm. But as I got older and learned about how white people have literally created systems that exclude every minority in every single way (laughs) possible and have also taken ownership of people of different races and imprisoned them unfairly, it's just, I don't know, if someone were to say, I'm so proud of being white, it comes with that history. Yeah. That's personally how I feel about it got it because I have a friend and he was born in America but his dad grew up in South Africa during apartheid where obviously it was like a white super minority that was completely in charge you know like horrible human rights issues and he was like if someone in South Africa said I'm proud to be white today 
that would be like the end of the world for them. Like that, yeah. is, like, that is bad for your health. Definitely. <laughs> but he was saying like in America, I wouldn't care if a white person was like, yeah, I'm proud to be white. Because I mean, like, right. I think for those that don't really think about it, right, it just it like, can come off as like just a just a regular comment. Like you don't think it really has any depth or meaning. Mm-hmm. But then if you really just take a look at what white people have done in America, not all white people, obviously, but a lot of white people in charge, a lot of white people you probably know. Historic figures that we worship. Historic figures that we can look at and see what they actually did. It's just saying that, I feel like, reinforces supremacy rather than being actually something to be proud of. Yeah. Like Our culture is kind of built off of being in power Mm -hmm. and taking it away from other people it's not something like we have actual traditions that define being white yeah but if you were to be like i'm proud to be american or i'm proud to be from massachusetts that is that that sits right with you that sits right with me same with me like if someone's like i'm proud to be american or i'm proud to be french or whatever i'd be like yeah good for you but like what is white? Like, white is not a culture, really. Right, you know? like, it's not at all. Because saying you're proud to be an American could mean that you're proud to live in a country where changing for the better is possible. Mm-hmm. And there's ways to make a difference. And being proud to be from, say, Massachusetts is the same way. We're in a more progressive state, typically. And we may have made a lot of progress in, like, the country's history. So that's different. But being proud to be white, that's just, the be, whiteness is just defined off of power, and yeah. it's just not the same. Got it. And with that, let's get right into it. Like Miriam said before, the topic we'll be discussing today is reverse racism. Reverse racism is a myth because it tries to ignore the fundamental question of who holds more power or privilege between the individuals or groups involved. The myth of reverse racism assumes that racism occurs on a so-called level playing field, which we obviously know it doesn't. When a group of people has little or no power over you institutionally, they don't get to define the terms of your existence, they can't limit your opportunities, and you don't need to worry about a slur describing you and yours, as a slur is probably the furthest it will go, and that slur likely has not a lot of depth to it. Yeah, and I think just to simplify everything that Molly just said, like reverse racism is the belief that minorities can be racist towards white people, which is just not the case. Yeah, just and like she said, it's not an even playing field. There is very obvious power differences between the two. I mean, we're literally called minorities. That in itself, that in itself shows a disparity. You know, white people can't be put in their place if they already own the place to begin yeah. with. That was a really good way to say that. We wanna talk about some very important terms that we need to properly understand the definitions of before we can talk about reverse racism. So starting off is prejudice. So prejudice is an unfavorable opinion or feeling formed beforehand without knowledge, thought, or reason. So it's a preconceived notion or feeling um, that can be favorable or unfavorable. You can have a prejudice in a negative way or in a positive way. So you don't like apples because a story that your mom told you about how apple gave her food poisoning. Right. That's a prejudice. So more specifically, racial prejudice is a set of discriminatory or derogatory attitudes based on assumptions deriving from perceptions about a race and or skin color. Some examples of this are white people can't dance or white people can't season their food. 
And then the other way, it could be examples saying black people are hostile and violent or black people are lazy. These statements don't harm white people in any ways as they can go on and continue to dance and cook as they please because there is no power behind these statements to physically hinder their opportunity to dance or cook. <laughs> I don't know, um, but I make that joke all the time that white people can't season their food. I mean, if that it's hurts true. your feelings, I, I mean, I get it. It's not like a super nice thing to say to somebody. But if you go out into the world knowing that you can't season your food or somebody tells you you can't season your food, you're probably still going to get a good job and, yep. you know, go to school. And you're, not gonna get to, you're not going to get denied a bank loan because you can't season <laughs> your food or you can't dance. <laughs> exactly. So these comments, I mean, and nobody's saying that, like, as a white person, you can't get your feelings hurt. That couldn't right. be further from what we're saying. I mean, obviously, these things, like... It, if you hear them enough or if if you're really passionate about dancing and somebody tells you you have no rhythm you're you're really going to be hurt and we get that we're not saying these are nice things to say but they're not gonna affect the way your life is going they're not going to physically hinder you from the opportunities you can obtain in life to advance and they don't reinstill previous racial normatives that have you know existed in this country since it was created there's no racial, you know, history behind saying that a white person can't dance or a white person can't cook or whatever it is. Right. It's just a general statement to just say it. Yeah. It's not to oppress white people. It's just to say what is there. It's an opinion, and it's just one that's commonly held by a lot of people of color in America. <laughs> that's all. That's all it is. Moving along to other terms that you should know, um, there is bias. And bias is similar to prejudice, but biases can be learned or subconscious. A lot of the times we don't even know that we have certain biases until we're really, you know, presented with the idea. And it's one way you can ask yourself is if you're a hairdresser and somebody comes in and they want to get a blowout. Versus somebody with a hijab comes in and they want to get a keratin treatment. If you have to think about it more than you would for, you know, the person just asking for a blowout, that's a bias. Now, we're not saying that's a bad thing. Right. And biases, the good thing about them is they can be easily controlled. Yes. And they can be unlearned. Exactly. They can be unlearned. Because you're able to confront biases. Mm -hmm. If you can have that hesitation, you can think about that moment and realize hey, maybe I shouldn't have this hesitance. It's just a different way to style hair, mm -hmm. and I can learn how to do it, and it's not a bad thing. Exactly. So a bias is just a particular tendency, trend, inclination, feeling, or opinion, especially one that is, you know, like we said, preconceived. And everybody has biases. And this isn't like a white person versus people of color situation. It's right. like every person has their biases. And they're not always about race. They can right. literally be about anything. They can be about age. For example, the other day I took an implicit bias test from Harvard, and it turns out that I'm moderately biased against the elderly. So, so these implicit bias tests, they're actually widely available. Um, Harvard does them. There's plenty of other places that do them. Um, just online and it takes maybe like 10 minutes if you're interested go ahead and take one and you might see that you know for me and I'm a woman um, 
I took a one about women being in the house and men being the breadwinners. And I was like, my results were kind of sexist. I was um, slightly for women being in the household and men being their breadwinners. And in my life, I don't feel that way. But because of the environment that I grew up in and just the things that I've seen, that right. is just in the back of my mind subconsciously. And obviously, like, I don't feel that way in real life. So if you take one of these tests and you find out you're, you have a moderate preference for white people instead of Indians, it doesn't right. mean you're racist. Nope. It just means that it's something that your environment has instilled in you without you knowing it. Right. So it's really important to understand that biases is like the first step. And if you can stop um, at a bias, at a racial bias, then you are golden because they can definitely be unlearned. When we get into bigotry, this is when, you know, things escalate a little bit. So first you start with bias that brings you up to prejudice and you have bigotry, which is an intolerance toward those who have different opinions from yourself. It's stronger than a prejudice and it's more of a severe mindset often accompanied by discriminatory behavior. So to be bigoted is to, you know, purposely go out and, you know, say hate speech towards any minority, anyone that doesn't even agree with you. Like the KKK, a lot of the times we see them as um, hating people of color, but it's not just that because there's Catholics, there's strongly against Catholics, which is just an ideology. Um, Jews, same thing. Um, bigotry is being actively rude and disrespectful and hurtful to people that don't look like you, don't act like you, don't have the same ideas or beliefs as you. Exactly. And then we have racism. So racism, marginalization or oppression of people of color based on socially constructed racial hierarchies and privileges that white people have. It's very important to understand that racism is not just a black person and a white person having a conversation where there's hate speech. Racism is built off of a system of powers. If you are a person of power and you have the power to instill racist institutions in your society, that is racism. But for a, a white person in a completely, you know, if, if we went back a million years and there was just a country of white and black people and there was no history of slavery, no history of, no history between the two groups at all. And a white person would tell a black person, hey, your hair is ugly. That wouldn't be racism because there's no system of power in that situation. There's no connection between the two. And there's no previously instilled hierarchies. Right. That's why racism is so strong and present in America, because our country really was founded upon systems that specifically oppressed black people, slavery specifically speaking, that we literally took ownership over them and made them work for nothing. Although slavery obviously has been abolished, the systems have still been maintained in America that suppress black people from advancing exactly and these systems and institutions um, are referred to as systemic racism which is what happens when structures are carried out by groups within with power such as governments businesses and schools and when these governments businesses and schools are run by the majority race which is white White. then they become racist when they you know reinstill these negative stereotypes and biases and prejudices Exactly. So 
the reason we want to start off with this terminology is because it's very important in the difference. Obviously, if somebody's being bigotrous towards you, you have every right to be, you know, upset, to be hurt. If you if it's bad enough and you want to report them like they are harassing you, um, by all means, do that. Nobody's if you're white, if you're a white person and um, an Asian is throwing rocks at your window, cussing you out for being white, whatever. Um, call the cops. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have every right to report that and stand up to that and deal with it. Exactly. Because that is actively hatred towards yeah. you. And, and that can be dangerous. And you're not going to be labeled as a racist because nope. it, your your life is in danger. Yes. However, are they being racist towards you? They're not. And that might be hard to accept. But like we said, the definition of racism is based off of power. It's based off of hierarchy. If that doesn't exist, if that's not there, then, exactly. you know, it's not Because racist. at the end of the day, even if they were being bigot, you were experiencing bigotry, you are still the person in power in that situation. And likely it would favor towards you anyways in the end. And if it was, the best way to look at it, if roles were reversed and it was a white woman doing this to an Asian man at his home and he called the cops you know, the outcomes are going to be different. Very different. Um, especially based on where that person is living. So that's kind of, you know, where the racism steps in. Exactly. Um, now, some, you know, examples past not seasoning your food and white people not being able to dance are things like Black History Month and the BET. So a lot of times white people will ask, well, why isn't there a white history month? Or why don't we get a white entertainment television? And... For me, the first time that I heard this, I was like, do people really think like this? Right. But I think I get it. I mean, on the surface, when you say Black History Month, I guess it's natural to assume there should be a White History Month. Right. But then look at history. It's all white history. Exactly. And, you know, a good example of this is if I, you know, walked down the street, a busy street, and I had a microphone and a camera and I stopped a random person on the street and I asked them, who is George Washington? Who is Thomas Edison? Who is Teddy Roosevelt? They could probably give me a fairly accurate description of who these people are. But if I were to say, who is Sojourner Truth? Who is W.E. Du Bois? Who is Shirley Chisholm? I doubt I'd get the same response back. Definitely wouldn't. And that's why we need a Black, Black History, History Month. Because people don't know about, you know, right. all these amazing African-American people that did wonders for this country. Because when a white man is writing the book, he's going to only include white man's history. The white narrative is very dangerous and a very powerful tool in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because of that that, you know, a Black History Month is needed and not really a white history month. Right. And, you know, even just to take it a step further, because um, I was talking about this with um, I teach a group of middle school girls and we were talking about the civil rights movement. Um, and all of them knew Rosa Parks. All of them knew Martin Luther King. But when it came to Malcolm X, they had no idea who he was. And I looked into it and I, I learned that even some high schools don't teach who Malcolm X is. And it's because of the way that he went about right. the civil rights movement. He was more okay with violence. You know, Black Panthers, he supported them. Um, and for that reason... He's discredited. He was violent. Exactly. He, was, he didn't go about it the right way. He should have been peaceful. Exactly. But 
when we look at who he was as a person, he wasn't for violence. He wasn't for let's go out into the streets and kill all white people. He was for if you won't let me vote because I am black, then I will defend my right to vote with an armed battalion. Right. You know, he wasn't saying like I'm just gonna kill every white person because I hate white people. No, he was saying give me my rights because I will fight for them. I deserve my right. My right. I live here. I'm a citizen. I deserve the right to vote as my basic right that this country is found upon. Now, why include MLK and not Malcolm X? Well, it's so much more comfortable to say, oh, well, you know, MLK met with JFK and MLK was all for white people helping. So what we see is MLK had a better relationship to white people. So we're going to teach him Malcolm X did not like white people, so we're going to throw him out of the book completely. Exactly. So it's just it's even just the smallest things like that that are caused by this white narrative. Right. And then going to TV, one of the most popular shows in the last five years was Game of Thrones, where every every black character either had no substance was a slave or was immediately killed off the show. (laughs) The entire main cast was white. It's just things like that. And it's not only, you know, Game of Thrones. There is um, Friends, where the six friends were all white. And, and there was no, pretty much no people of color exactly. featured on the show. Parks and Rec, American Horror Story. There's so many of these sh- New Girl. Oh, actually, no, they didn't, they didn't have a black character. Yes. For them. I've never seen the show. But, you know, it's just things like that. Right. I mean, you see how excited I just got about right. one black character in New Girl? It's that's that's why there was a need for a BET. Right. When you're when you're not represented in the media that you see, it has an effect on who you are and how you view yourself. Exactly. And, and if you're only viewing yourself as the token black character, you're going to think you have to fit all of those characteristics. For example, if you're the token black woman, like on Parks and Rec, even though it's one of my favorite shows, I can admit that Donna was definitely a token character. She was sassy, she was sarcastic, she had a smart mouth, and that's typically always how a black woman is portrayed on TV as a token character. Which is why they hate being called the sassy black woman. It's like so, the stereotype is just so overdone, and it's just not even accurate, you know? No. And furthermore, those kind of stereotypes that we see in the media, you know, they end up having an effect on the way that we behave outside, just in the real world. Because I don't want to be labeled as, you know, as a terrorist. So I'm not going to talk about politics in a large group of white people. It's things like that, because, you know, when you have liberal views as a brown person from a majority Muslim country, you know, and you think of how, how am I portrayed in the media? I've never seen a Middle Eastern movie where the Middle, Middle East wasn't portrayed as a desert, you know, as a war zone, and the mi- mi- actual Middle Easterns weren't terrorists, you know? Right. So it's, when that's all you see on, the, on TV, it, it has an effect on the way that you behave and the way that you view yourself. Also, that goes to show with beauty standards. Yeah. Like, if all I'm seeing is beautiful is these white girls with blue eyes and blonde hair, and I'm brown with almost black eyes and black hair, I'm not going to love the way that I look. Right. Especially as a kid growing up, you know, watching Disney Channel. Right. And 
having that be all that I see, you know? Right. So that's kind of the reason there is a BET and there is a Black History Month and there isn't White History Month in white specific channels. Because chances are, if you turn on TV, the cast you're watching is majority white. Exactly. You don't need your own channel if it's already everywhere for you. (laughs) So another example of perceived reverse racism is the use of the term cracker versus the use of the N-word. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So historically speaking, the N-word was originally used to dehumanize black people and keep them in place as property, as it originated when slavery was being used. As time went on, obviously after slavery was abolished, it was still used by white people to create a sense of hatred towards black people and was still used to put them in their place and make them feel inferior. On the contrary... The term cracker was created by white people to describe poor white people, specifically the Scots and the Irish who immigrated here and settled in southern states. And it was to describe them as unruly and ill-mannered. So there are many reasons why these terms are not the same in any way and can't even be perceived as racism. A, because cracker originated from white people to describe white people. So that in itself is not racist because it's the same race criticizing the same race. Second, they just have completely different meanings for being created. A cracker is more of just an insult to someone's personality. It's not saying that they're less of a human than you and they're inferior to you and creating a sense of power towards you. It's just like, you're unruly, you're a cracker. But if you were to say the N-word to a black person, it means to them you're inferior, you're hated, you're not welcome here, I'm more powerful than you, I'm superior. And then third, if a black person uses the term cracker to describe a white person, yes, it can be insulting just because obviously the term is insulting. But again, that sense of superiority that a white person gets when using the N-word is not the same when a black person uses the term cracker. And I think what's like, here's what's funny, because if I, I'm not white, I'm also not black, but I just want to clarify, I'm not white. And if I was talking to Molly and I was like, hey, you're a cracker, are your feelings hurt? Not at all. Do you care even a little bit? That literally means nothing to me. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I'm going to go home and not think about that happening after it. Exactly. And that's the difference. I mean, even just like, if I had a friend and I knew that they were insecure about their size, and then I went out and I, you know, commented on the way they were eating. That is an insecurity of theirs. And obviously their feelings are going to be hurt. So I yes. should respect that friend and not say those things. Right. It's just literally the same thing, but with a race of people. If a race of people all together, all decided, please don't use this word. It is highly offensive. Um, right. And it brings back so much shared pain between all of us. Yeah. And you were like, hmm. I don't, I, I don't think I can d- get down with that. I think I'm going to still use it anyway. I'm going to use it because you. if you can use it, then I can use it. Sorry about your feelings. I don't care. You know, if you wouldn't do that to a friend about something that they're insecure about, something that pains them to hear, why are you doing it to millions of people? Exactly. I don't get that. Just it does like, not add up at all. It yeah. just... It says a lot about you using it. It says it shows that you want to reinforce this supremacy and power. And if you really want to prove to people that you're not trying to uphold these things, an easy way to do that is to stop saying the N-word when exactly. you're not supposed to. And I just want 
I'm just gonna throw this out there. So I'm Egyptian, which is in Africa, but by no means am I black. So are Middle Easterns, other North Africans, Indians, people from South Asia in general, and Latinx people. We are not black. Just because we can share certain aspects with the black community, just because we can relate to them, just because it's more likely for us to feel comfortable with them than it is with white people, that does not give us permission to use the N-word either. No, We are not black. If you are Egyptian and I hear you say the N-word, I will call you out. That is still racist. Yes, Just because you are a minority doesn't mean that's your word. It was not. not made for you. It was not used to offend you. So you do not have permission to use it, even if every single one of your friends is black. I literally do not care. It is not for you. You can't reclaim a word that was never used to dehumanize you in the first place. Yeah. That's, it's as simple as that. Exactly. I always hear other minorities, like, they think they're just allowed to say it because they experience racism. That's not what that word is for, you guys. Like, it is not, if, if... Your group of black friends is like, sure, you can use it. Okay, that's their decision. Use it when you're around them. Don't come to my house and then just start saying it. Don't post it on your Instagram. Please. Don't make a TikTok lip-syncing the words to it. Don't record yourself in your car driving, singing along and blatantly saying it. Don't, when you break your nose, scream that, have that be the first word you scream in pain. It's just words not for it. you. And you know what makes me laugh is that one time I borrowed a sweatshirt that said Thrasher on it and I wore it out just going to do groceries or something. I was just out and about in it. And a group of guys with their skateboards pulled up to me and they said, do you skate? And I said, absolutely, I do not, sir. <laughs> and it really upset them that I was wearing that sweatshirt, and they asked me to not wear it. So if skaters are highly offended when people wear Thrasher sweatshirts, do you think that a black person will not be offended if you say the N-word to them? Exactly. Hard R or A, I do not care. Does it not is going to be offensive if it's coming out of the mouth of a non-black. Just don't say it. Please don't say the end. Please don't say it. <laughs> and also, you can't have slurs against you if you're white. Like, cracker does not hold the same weight that the N-word does, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, just, you can't be hated using a slur because it's not going to end up affecting you in the long run at all. And you it can has still... no historical rev- relevance. Nope. And it was created by white people, too. So... Mm-hmm. If you think it's racist, just look at its origins and realize that it was your own people calling you an offensive term. Offensive in... In quotes, yeah, I air quoted that. (laughs) That's that's why I said it like that, but I should probably convey that it was air quotes. So, moving on from that very heated discussion about how you shouldn't use the (laughs) N-word, we will move on to kind of... The token statement that white people use as an example of reverse racism, and it is affirmative action. Now, affirmative action is far too big of a topic to get into right now, and we would be so happy to do another podcast just solely on that subject. But there is something that I do want to clarify. Affirmative action was created because black and brown people were at a disadvantage 
They um, did not have good schoolings, if they even had schools in their district. Um, they didn't have the capabilities of getting a good job, of getting into schools. And while the civil rights movement was happening, and even um, during Reconstruction, you know, companies and schools, they realized that this was an issue. So they decided we're going to have quotas to make it more fair. So in the past, they would put people of colors into schools if within their own community, they had scores good enough to get into that school. As time progressed, that changed. But that doesn't mean that a person who is not qualified is going to take your spot at the school you want to go to. Because most of the times these people are equally qualified or more qualified, but they just come from districts who are have schools that are not as good. So they can be viewed as lesser than because just because, you know, their taxes aren't that high. They don't have you know proper equipment, whatever it is. But they do. But these that doesn't mean that these students aren't smart enough to get into these schools. No, they have the scores. They have the potential. They have everything they need. They're equal to you, if not smarter than you. Exactly. Um, and and that's why they got in. So affirmative action doesn't just solely pick random black and brown kids, Asian kids, just minority kids and just let them into schools because they need to fill a quota. No, they let kids in who deserve to be there. But didn't have the resources they needed to get in in the first place. Exactly. And, you know, when this started, it was just because these kids they didn't have parents that were at home because they were working five jobs, um, didn't really have a stable income, were working as soon as they were allowed to, couldn't go to school all the time, didn't have a school to go to, couldn't afford to buy books or a backpack, couldn't afford to buy shoes. All of these things that hindered them from advancing advancing in life, it was taken into account. And now that that, I'm not saying that poverty isn't a problem anymore because it definitely still is. But now that it's less of a problem in the black community and now that they're finally starting to get, you know, some kind of a grasp in society, that is not what affirmative action is anymore. These people that are going to these schools, they have the scores. If you look at the statistics, if you look at the lawsuits that white people have filed against their schools because of affirmative action, you will see that the kids that got in that were of color deserve to be there and had, you know, equal to or better test scores. Right. If you do want to hear more about affirmative action, though, and more about, you know, the nitty gritty of it, please let me and Molly know on our Instagrams or on our podcast Instagram, Yay. Change Today Podcast. We would be so happy to hear your feedback. Yes, we really would. And if you have any other suggestions of topics, too, we would love to hear that because we really do enjoy doing this and think it's so important. And we definitely want to cater it towards our audience. Absolutely. So your voices do matter to us a lot. Um, and if you don't have a topic in mind, but you do want to get your question in for the first part of our discussion, instead of me looking up 36 questions <laughs> to make you fall in love with me, Molly, um, feel free to send those in as well if you want to if you want us to call you out, we'd be more than happy to do so. Yes, definitely. Um, so send in your questions, send in your requests, give us your feedback. We are so interested in hearing it. Yes. And we're so open to it too. Absolutely. And your criticisms. If you feel yeah. like there's something that we can improve on, please let us know. We want to do a good job. Yeah. We want this to be the best it can possibly be because we're really trying to get this message out there and we don't want to be doing anything that's hindering that. Absolutely. So now I wanted to move on to, you know, kind of a little bit of a more lighthearted approach to reverse racism. I was having a conversation with someone 
a while back, and um, we were talking about celebrities that have done blackface, and even though their intentions weren't racist, how the outcome was inherently racist. Right. And, you know, I hopefully we don't have to explain as to why blackface is very offensive, Um, but we will give you a brief rundown on the history. Before we get to that, while I was talking to this person, they brought up the movie White Chicks. And at first, I was kind of stumped. I was like, you know, this isn't a bad point. I mean, we say you can do blackface, but these two black men dressed up as white women for an entire two-hour movie. Right. You know, so, you know, on the surface, I could get how you would think that's reverse racism. Right. So I looked into it, as I would, (laughs) and what I found out was super interesting. So, history of blackface. Give me a brief rundown. So, originally, blackface appeared in minstrel shows, and the character was named Jim Crow, and he was used to make black people look stupid and incompetent, and was a character for white audiences to laugh at. Mm -hmm. So, he would go on stage, you know, make a fool of himself, fall on the ground, speak completely broken English that is not at all what... And he would dance around to this really offensive song and sing about how he's Jim Crow and he's a stupid black person. Yeah. It was just horrible and awful and completely made to just be super hateful and disrespectful towards black people. And it was one of, if not the most um, popular forms of entertainment during Reconstruction and before the Civil Rights Movement. Oh, I feel like I forgot to mention the whole point of this is Jim Crow was played by a white person. Oh, I yeah. didn't even say that. But that's why that's why he had to paint his face black. So he would paint his face black and he would paint on these enormous red lips. Yep. And then, you know, go out there and make a fool of himself. Now, white face, while it doesn't quite have a history in America, it does have a history. And it is quite the interesting one. So, in Europe, if you were a person of high class or a lot of wealth, specifically women, you would paint on white face to show the world that you are wealthy, that they owe you a certain amount of respect, and that you hold a certain amount of purity to you. Hmm. Only because of your class and your wealth. So now let's compare the two. Blackface was invented to demean, dehumanize, and insult black people. Whiteface was invented to make white women seem more powerful and pure. Hmm. <sighs> That's a really tough one, That's, honestly. That was, this is, I, you know, I it's don't, just, there's no way for me to say this besides to literally just state the obvious. Yeah. Blackface is offensive. White face, White face is not offensive. <laughs> now, I will say that white chicks would never be made in 2020. Definitely that not. Movie, if, that movie would not exist now. That, nobody would sign a project where the whole premise was two black men dressing as white women and going undercover. Definitely not. That would Absolutely not slide. Not. <laughs> <laughs> but as this movie is old, and as it is out there in the world, I thought while we were doing this podcast, it would be a good time uh, you know, mention that. And honestly, that whiteface thing, this was the first time that I learned about it. I had yeah. no idea that there was a history behind it. Me neither. Because you wouldn't think that. No. And 
like you said before researching it, it kind of makes sense why someone would think that that could be reverse racism. Mm -hmm. But then again, just going back to the definition of racism, those two guys impersonating the white girls didn't impact white people. It didn't make us seem less powerful. It didn't make us seem like we're all some stupid, blonde, rich girls. Like, exactly. It didn't change the way that white people were perceived Mm -hmm. at all. Especially when you look at the lives that the two of them lived. They were like rich like heiresses I think and they were like going to these exclusive parties and like yes we're like I think runway models at one point like they were people of high power I think it just showed the difference between the way that these two black cops lived right at home you know in their shabby apartments or whatever versus the way that these two rich high class white women live exactly kind of just a a light-hearted example um but also a quick history lesson Here's some of the sources we used while putting this episode together. So the first one was an article by Tim Wise called A Look at the Myth of Reverse Racism. And then Reverse Racism is a Myth on ACLRC.com. The Secret History of the Word Cracker from NPR. And if you don't have the time to sit and read long articles or case studies and you want just um, a quick fun little recap um an article you can check out is here's why reverse racism doesn't actually exist in the u.s from business insider you can also watch the three minute clip by amar rahman called fear of a brown planet reverse racism it was uh, a very just light-hearted comic making uh, explaining very well why racism doesn't exist um Another interesting one is this movie called Black Klansman, which is, um, so it was a black cop who has his Jewish friend infiltrate the KKK. Um, so it, while the movie isn't about reverse racism, you get to kind of see how, you know, the part that it plays um, while watching it. And it's also just a really good watch. Like, it's just actually like a really nice movie. Um, so feel free to do that. You can also listen to J. Cole, K-O-D. It is... You know, has plenty of references to things that, you know, you can look up on your own and do more research to or just even hear them the way that they are experienced by a black man. And his music is also just so good. So I'm just trying to give him a plug. (laughs) Not that he needs it from me, but he definitely does need it from us (laughs) because we're such a huge platform right now. Everybody knows who we are. Everybody knows us. (laughs) We're about as famous as J. Cole, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, if not more so. If not more, yeah. You're welcome, J. Cole. (laughs) Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope you'll join us next week. Um, After this kind of heavy-hearted conversation, we hope that you can still have an amazing day. Just remember that you are loved, you are appreciated, and that you have the potential to be an amazing human being if you put your mind to it. And don't don't forget forget that that there's there's always hope for change today. today.